Hello and welcome to the next episode of Stripping the Dipping. I'm your co-host F1 Black. AMG Dens is out at a family dinner tonight as we record this. So I'm flying solo in the host chair, but it's absolutely a pleasure to bring you a guy um, who has a master's in physics and electronics, a master's in electronics and systems, and we can call him a future aeronautical engineer as well. We're going to talk a lot of F1 tech tonight with F1 techie. It's Charbel. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you, Black. I'm good. How's everybody doing? Uh, you're having me in your uh, podcast, and hopefully we will uh, answer a lot of questions and deliver it for the audience. Yeah, well, that's the key. I, I, I can expect that you're going to be able to break tech down because the, you know there are some experts, and I'm not taking a shot at anybody here, but know what they're they're talking about, but then they can't simplify it uh, for the likes of me, who perhaps I, I don't have any masters, let alone two. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting into it. Um, the first the first question I tend to ask, um, and we always tend to ask, is so if um, if people haven't seen your account F1 Techie, uh, they haven't heard about you before, let's say, although that's quite difficult because you've got lots of followers. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. How would you describe yourself? Well. I'm, uh, how can I say it, uh, a professional amateur, <laughs> a professional, but a professional amateur. So I go deep into the mechanics. I love aero, aerodynamics. And it's been a long time in Formula One. I've been watching Formula One, digging deep into the Formula One long, long time ago, more than 33 years. That's my passion. And you know you're going to do it to the maximum. Amazing. I mean, we can go a little bit old school then. 33 years. So we're talking, when did you get into the sport? Senna Prost era? What was your first memory of the sport? Wow. Oh, my God. Some of the most beautiful cars. For me, that's the most beautiful era. Would you agree? Yeah. But my favorite era was last year. Uh, yeah, because um, the development of the cars was so amazing last year. Plus, the power unit, even though we have 1.6 liters uh, V6 engines, but the output of these is unbelievable. Even if you compare it to the V10, V12, whatever, okay, the V10 and V8 are big love uh, oil uh, and fuel but <laughs> if i'm looking to uh, compare apple to apple as output performance this era is amazing these these engines we have right now well then i guess you've been a happy man since what 2014 all the way through to yeah. 2026 yeah yeah no, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> not or 25 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, before 25. Let's not talk right now about 2026 because it's a little bit, how can I say it, uh, hate love, okay? It's a hate love relation. So we're going to talk about it, but the best era is right now, right here we're living as power unit, not as ground effect. Okay, so I'm talking about power unit right now. Gosh, and that, that's fascinating. That begs the question, what do you have? effect 
I don't have anything against it, but how um, they are trying to push the ground effect. It is awesome. I know it is awesome. But if you compare it to last year, ground effect has a big disadvantage with low speeds, okay? Especially with low speeds. And if we compare lap times, we are slower. Even though with the same engine, we are slower in lap times. But in, uh, with the ground effect, it's created a better racing. That's what we need, better racing. Mm. Cars can follow each other more. Why? We're going to talk about it. You, you, we have wheel-to-wheel uh, -wheel action. In the past, we couldn't have wheel-to-wheel -wheel action because cars were prone to uh, around the year. So these cars more resilient, if we can call it, uh, about these year around it, around the car, so uh, we can have closer cars in the corners, and we have action wheel-to-wheel, can goes up to three in a row. It's not about waiting for the DRS, open the DRS, and pass for the first, for the second, whatever, but action on the corners, just like we used to watch it back then, Senna, Prost, uh, even though in the 70s with the Lotus, uh, you can go wh whatever you want. Back then, it was awesome racing. So um, I want to get onto the racing in a second. Uh, you were talking about the cars being slower this season. Um, do you think it's got anything to do with the fact they're sort of, what, 100 or 200 kilograms heavier than they used to be? What I mean, here's a question. Why are they heavier? What, how have they become so heavy? All right, heavier is the enemy of motorsports, any, <laughs> any kind of uh, motorcycle, uh, any kind of racing. Uh, I'm gonna compare the weight between cars because it's the closest uh, as a power unit. So the same battery, the same power unit, same uh, components. What what changed is the ground. The car in general so it got heavier because they had a problem of course they were too uh, flexible they don't want it to be flexible they had to make it harder you're using more uh, fiber uh, carbon fiber you're using more components to make your floors heavier we're having a problem with the new regulation. No one knows how these cars are going to perform. On track, I'm talking. I'm not talking in, in the wind tunnel or simulators, the CFDs, because they have a close idea, but on the track, it's the most important, because you can have a lot of problems on track that you cannot simulate and the CFD in your, in your PC, which we, we we've seen it purposing we had uh, in the beginning of the season this uh, problem couldn't be simulated in the uh, in the wind tunnels to uh, so so the engineers would solve it so you had to solve it on the track how did you solve it okay it's flexing a lot so from the air needs more air so we need to make it harder how can we make it harder 
okay, through some uh, floor stays. We thicken the floor in some places. This is extra weight. Extra weight means you're in big trouble. We've seen Red Bull uh, being chubby 10 kilograms more than normals, than normal cars. When they went down in weight, they were very fast. And then they gained weight again, and they were slow. So in Formula One, it is calculated that 10 kilograms of uh, 10 kilograms extra weight, it will cost you between 0.2 and 0.3 uh, seconds. So, which is huge in Formula One. Yeah, well, we saw last weekend that it was the difference, I think, between first and third, first and fourth. So it can be a huge difference um, yeah. at particular tracks. So, he, so here's my question to you then, right? So I, people that listen to the show, they know I like Lewis Hamilton. They know that I want him to have his win this season, to maintain his perfect years in a row with at least one win. Um, it is, Mercedes on it is. The, Sorry, go on. go on. Yeah, I can see it. It is coming. You think so? Yeah, yeah. They were so close. Uh, whether you love Mercedes or Hamilton or not, I'm not talking uh, as a fan of uh, Verstappen as, or as a, a fan of Hamilton or a fan of Ferrari or Leclerc, whatever. I'm talking Formula One. I'm talking uh, sincerely. It, it could have happened last week in Zandvoort. It could have happened in Silverstone. It could have happened in many races. Okay, the car, the car is not yet in one lap qualifying, even though they had issues in the beginning of the season. We're not going to talk about it, but they solved the majority of this, these uh, problems. And now we can see a uh, good car, a good car in the race. Okay, so they have quick laps. They have a very good race pace, sometimes faster than Red Bull and Ferrari on any compound. So mm. I can see it coming. But where? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Um, so here's a question. Um, looking forward to 2023, do you think Mercedes are going to change their concept? Do you think that they can? Or do you think they're, they're going to stick with the side podless uh, approach? All right. That's a big question, actually. But uh, meanwhile, they, they have a name. They're going towards something with Mercedes. Uh, especially with this concept. Why? Because no one can copy it. The same as no one is copying Ferrari. Okay, Ferrari's idea. So if Mercedes could make this idea work, there will be somewhere no one will catch, catch them. Okay? So they have the data. We don't have the data. They have the, the data from the wind tunnel, from the CFP, all, all the, the programs they are using. They have the program, the, the, the data. They know the, uh, where their car is uh, good and bad. They can upgrade it next year. But the problem this year is not was not the cars, the side pods. Everybody, oh, the Mercedes with no side pods. Go back, put some side pods. It's not the side pods, guys. Mercedes had side pods at the beginning of the season, and they had the same problem. It's not about the side pods. The problem here is about cost capping, okay? So they had a purposing issue, which, as I told you before, that you can't replicate this in the simulator, in the wind tunnels. And they had to solve it on ground. But whatever upgrades you're bringing to the car, 
you're not it's being masked the performance these upgrades performance were masked by the uh, purposing and bottoming of the car so they had to raise the floor they had to uh, make their car slower because they are raising it from uh, the ground and uh, you're not seeing your upgrades if they are working so you are losing money on upgrades that you can't see if they are working or not waiting until you uh, fix your main problem which is purposing. now as we see 99 of the teams have uh, solved their problems purposing, and we can see the uh, upgrades coming especially on ferrari and on mercedes red bull are very fast right now we're gonna also talk about it so next year mercedes if they have if they have in their mind same concept they know how to retrieve or take the, the performance out of this package and uh, let's wait and see hopefully hopefully if they are gonna change their mind they will take a good road, okay? Take, uh, make a good concept. Will not cost them a lot of money because you know also cost capping is uh, was hard the first year. Cost capping was uh, that. Go back every year. We heard cost capping, cost capping. We are limiting the the, 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 the budget, but it wasn't uh, taking effect. It's not affecting the the the, the teams. This year is the first year you can see the budget capping is working. That's why many teams are struggling. Uh, one of them uh, today in, in Monza, uh, Red Bull, they can't afford to put Perez a new floor because of the budget capping. Uh, and uh, for Mercedes, when they both cars had an accident, they tried to glue the, the floors together. We call them Franken floors. Uh, we you see teams chopping featuring the, the rear wing uh, just to make it less draggier so cost capping is working next year all the teams are gonna be in a better place because they know how they're gonna use their money and put it in the right development right track they're not gonna spend left and right to solve the problems because 99 percent of their problems were solved this year so uh just pause for a second because you used the words bottoming and porpoising are they the same things or are they slightly different or are they related no they are not the, the same thing okay the i yes it is but uh if we are talking engineering no uh, bottoming is the fact that the car is hitting the ground the, the track the car is oscillating okay and hitting the track because of uneven surface it could be uneven surface that would create this bottoming because your low your riding your car is very low to the ground so it would bump it would hit the the, the ground purposing is the air the, the the air affecting the car okay around it aerodynamically making the car going down and up okay so uh if we take uh, mathematically, we have frequencies, okay? Everything in this world has a certain frequency. And each car, you can see, has a different frequency in porpoising. But the car is affected with 1F, 2F, 3F, 
this is the frequency so the the natural harmony of i'm going into deep thing but i'm gonna try to explain it uh, the natural harmony with the wind will create different frequencies on the car okay so the car we will see it uh, focusing on certain speeds that's why the mercedes had for example in jeddah we, we see it when they hit, it hits a certain speed, the purposing start every car. When it hits a specific speed for this car, cyclically, it will start purposing. This is natural harmony, and the purposing is uh, the, the aerodynamic bottoming is from the ground affecting the car. That's the difference. Okay, right. Thank you. So now that was the timeout. Let's move on to, um, you know, Red Bull for a second. So you, you suggested that Mercedes came into the season and their big problem wasn't necessarily the side pods. It was the issue with uh, unexpected porpoising, which they could not have predicted in the wind tunnel. But Red Bull seemed to start the season um, either unaffected or, or in a much better place. How did they, how did they start the season uh, in that place? Was it luck or did they know something that Mercedes didn't? When you have Edge Newey, believe me, it's not luck. Okay. So we have to give it to red bull they they got it 100% the rules they got the rules 100% uh the car came to uh, winter testing it was really fast it was unique uh it was not affected by the track whatever so the least car that has that had purposing was uh, red bull and Alfa Romeo in the beginning of the season. We're not talking about Aston Martin because, uh, sorry, McLaren, because McLaren, they didn't have downforce to, to, to recreate the uh, purposing, but Aston, uh, Alfa Romeo and uh, Red Bull were the least cars with uh, purposing, and they got everything right. We're not going to talk about the ground or, or, the play, uh, or the flexi floors, but they got it right. Okay, so they got it right. Um, and then sort of a couple of races into the season, maybe we were in, I can't remember when, uh, was it Silverstone? The FIA discovered that their tests on the floor weren't necessarily yeah. um, observing uh, a degree of flex that exceeded the technical directives. So in SPA, yeah. they brought in a new test that allowed them to enforce those directives. Um, and we thought we thought that Red Bull uh, and Ferrari uh, were going to be pegged back, that maybe Mercedes will be back in the fight. Um, we've seen Ferrari seem to struggle, perhaps, but Red Bull, particularly when we were in Spa, were a long way out front. What do you think that was about? Do you think uh, Red Bull have made improvements elsewhere, or, or does it just turn out that their floor was legal all along? Uh, first of all, Red Bull were very smart about this problem. They started working on it three, four races prior uh, spa, okay, with especially with uh, checking. So they got everything right and they went to spa. Ferrari, they didn't work on the problem. That's why from spa on, we saw Ferrari are 0.5 slower, slower than it used to be. Our calculations were saying the technical directive. 39 will hit Red Bull and Ferrari with 0.2 to 0.3 seconds a lap. Ferrari was 0.5 in Spa. 
and in uh, Zandvoort they were not really fast. We, I have a theory. I have a theory, and some people will shoot me if they, if they hear it, but I'm going to say it. In Spa, especially with uh, Verstappen, they took a new engine, new power unit, new engine, to mask their losses. They have losses. To mask their losses, they cranked the SPU to the hell maximum. Okay? How? Why I'm, I'm saying this? Because in Zandvoort, they weren't that fast. Hmm. They weren't that fast. Where this 1.5 second go? Can anyone explain, explain to me if they had this advantage, this major advantage? Okay, so you're going to say... Uh, spa they had advantage on the uh, camel straight no it's not just camel straight on the on the downforce sectors sector two mercedes were on par with with verstappen okay slower a little bit some laps uh, faster in some they were on par okay uh, others say uh, they had to raise mercedes listen to this they had to raise the floor and all the others they had to raise the floor because of Rouge, they're bottoming there. No, they're not gonna uh, suffer a, a seven kilometer track, whatever, just for one uh, one corner on Rouge and lose two seconds on other uh, corners. It's not that. My theory, I told you, some people will shoot me if they hear it. But <laughs> that's my theory. And uh, I'm waiting to, to uh, Monza to, okay, Zandvoort, I was 90%, okay. It could be this. I'm waiting for one one at FP2. Let's wait and see what's going to happen. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm entertaining your theory. I'm trying to, my brain is processing it. So new engine in Spa. Um, it would explain why Perez wasn't anywhere near as uh, quick at Spa as, as Max. And Max only took one run in qualifying and was sort of six tenths down the road. Um, and then Zamvor, you know, here's a question for you, Zamvor. So Lewis Hamilton takes the restart in the safety car, after the safety car, towards the end. We hear now that he was in the wrong engine mode, I think. But yeah, yeah. Max Verstappen chewed him up. I mean, and also the, the, the Red Bulls look quick there anyway. So, yes, they lost their 1.8 second advantage or whatever it was. But yeah. are you telling me not that fast? To me, they're still first, right? They're still the fastest car on the grid, surely. Yeah, yeah. They are, they're still the fastest. I'm not saying not fast. No, they are fast. It is great. I can say anything about Verstappen. He's a great driver. But if you look at the restart in Zandvoort, Verstappen had DRS on. So he passed Lewis Hamilton so easily. When I looked back in the data and telemetry, I said, no, there was something wrong. I didn't post anything. On Twitter, uh, I had talked mm. with a friend, and he said, "Yeah, someone contacted me and said uh, uh, Hamilton was in the wrong engine mode." I said, "Yeah, that, that could be it," and you can see it clearly in in the uh, in the telemetry. So uh, people will say, "Okay, come on, and the uh, wrong engine mode will it affect that much?" Yes, the wrong engine mode will give you 30 horsepower more 20 depending on which uh, mode you are in uh, 
uh, look back in uh, 2016 when Nico Rosberg and uh, Lewis Hamilton had the crash in uh, Spain. Uh, Nico Rosberg had the wrong engine mode. Um, Lewis Hamilton was much faster, and mm. what happened happened. So, yeah, you don't have the deployment of your uh, of your MGUK. You don't have the deployment of your MGUH, and plus, okay, we know that uh, the PU or ICE engine mode you cannot change it from when you start your qualifying. So when you start your Q1, gonna start your race with this engine mode. But I don't believe engine modes in Formula One. There are so many tricks, so many tricks that engineers can do mm. in, to gain performance from the PU especially from the ignition timing there is a lot of things inside the pu you can change without changing the knob on your steering wheel why you can't you can't uh, retrieve power from this pu can someone explain to me why in q1 you you make a lap in q2 your lap is quicker than q1 in q your lap is a rocket. You're on a rocket ship. It's one second quicker than Q1. How can you achieve that much of power? Don't tell me, wait. Why should uh, drivers or teams go into Q1 putting 20 kilograms of fuel in your car, in their car? There's no purpose. Change engineers are the sneakiest human beings on the <laughs> on the earth because they can things unbelievable things they can do they can do with the power unit and uh, retrieve it give in uh, power from your power unit you're you're including yourself there right uh, within the list of the sneaky people yeah 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 <laughs> you, you go into uh, my uh, twitter account you can see i found something a loophole that probably can use it it is uh, pinned in my timeline uh, for their zero pots and they start uh, not using my idea listen <laughs> they're not <laughs> this area engineers can extrude shapes just like the rear wing of the Aston martin they can extrude shapes use it to, to turn around the the, the 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 regulations and plus let me tell you something i'm i was reading mm. deeply the 2026 regulation i will found two loopholes in their regulation one in the turbo uh, part and one in the mguk part so i don't know if they're gonna close it but engineers can find loopholes can find sneaky bits they use to use to extract more uh, faster car to make a faster car so i guess uh you know you shouldn't give away those loopholes and you should sell your services into a formula one money. Team, right money. yeah 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 why not you know um okay so so answer me this right so we've talked a bit about red bull a little bit about ferrari and quite a lot about the mercedes shape so here's how about the question of drag versus downforce so um I see at the beginning of this season, all the Ferrari runners seem to be much further up. You know, Haas had come back. Uh, Aston, uh, sorry, uh, Alfa Romeo was sort of back towards the front as well. And Ferrari, of course, were up there. You see the Honda smashing it. 
And then all of a sudden, you see um, Mercedes running cars were towards the back. Now, Toto Wolff at that point of the season said it's not to do with the engine and maybe he's protecting the uh, reputation of Mercedes. He said, we've built and many of our sort of customer teams have built draggy cars. So tell me, is the Mercedes concept just draggier than, say, the Red Bull? Uh, okay, the concept, as I told you, we don't have the exact numbers or CFP uh, data, but we we can see and analyze. Mercedes, yeah, they have a draggy car. When when you're not having side pods, you're not protecting your rear tires. You know the rear tires are so wide, and it's like a wall hitting the, the, the wind is hitting a wall. So you don't have side pods, or in the past you had we had uh, the barge board area, which deflected the wake of the. We had a very wide wake of dirty air to go around the tires. Now with no barge board, you're not protecting the tires from the air. The air. So uh, that's the main problem I think from Mercedes. If we take a look at Williams. Williams had the fastest sector one in Spa. If the engine is down on power, how did they get this uh, with Albon fastest uh, first sector with the highest top speeds? It's not the engine. It is drag, especially this year. New regulations, new uh, problems to solve. Yeah, Red Bull, they have the, the most streamliner if we can say, uh, between all the cars. Uh, Mercedes ha have a, dra a draggy car. Uh, Ferrari, they have a good car. I can't say it's draggy. They have, they have a good top speed. All right? So uh, I say it's in the middle between Red Bull and Mercedes. I don't know. So here's, um, talking about drag, right? And uh, maybe I'm getting my concepts confused, but that makes me think about slipstreaming and the value of, of slipstreaming. So we're recording this during the Monza weekend. It's uh, Friday evening uh, where we are. And we've seen, um, well, uh, we think we've seen maybe slipstreaming is only worth a couple of tenths in Monza, which, um, you know, anyone that's watched the Italian Grand Prix will tell you that that seems like a reduction on previous years. Would you say the concept, this kind of 2022 aero design is in general less draggy or is there something else about the aero shape that reduces the slipstream? All right. The cars of 2022 are built for this, for a battle, a closer battle, okay? The idea of the, the, these cars starting from the front wing going back to the rear wing is about uh, reducing the dirt, dirty air the wide wake of dirty air around the car and behind it because it's affecting the other cars to follow they can't follow back then behind uh, the, the the car and uh, they are relying a lot on the prs nowadays these cars are uh, having less turbulent air around it especially on the front tires and going back to the rear wing the rear wing we don't have the, the 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 air spinning of the corners of the rear wing anymore creating vortices 
tortoises creating creates dirty air. Dirty air uh, creates drag. And plus, dirty air will affect the car following you. These, the, the current concept, it is uh, to throw uh, the dirty air as high as they can over the following car. So the following car has more air to push in front of it. Okay, so they don't have the slipstream, this powerful slipstream that we used to have in the past years. So that's why the DRS is less effective than before. But it is being compensated by the car is closer to each other going out of the corner. So it's give and take. In general, if we take uh, the, the numbers from going out of the corner to the end of the straight using the DRS, I, I think it's the same between last year and this year. What it's being lost by the DRS and uh, slipstream, it's being gained Okay, that makes sense. So, um, you know, when this episode comes out, we'll see the proof in the pudding. So uh, those of you that are listening right now, think back to the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, were the cars able to follow each other much closer coming out of Parabolica? Or I think it's called Curva uh, Alboreto now. Um, and uh, how did they look down the straight? Um, and you can, you can see uh, whether our esteemed guest, F1 Techie, uh, has got his stuff right. So... Um, Speaking about the shape, oh, go on, yeah, go on. So one, one thing, uh, people yeah. say that Monza is an easy track to overtake. But uh, let me say something. That's what I'm waiting this weekend for, all right? In the past, it's not easy to, to, to follow, especially if you have, uh, to, to pass, especially if you have a DRS train. Everyone has. So, Passing in Monza is harder than you think. I'm waiting for this year to see how this 2022 cars will behave, okay? Especially following and overtaking on the uh, start-finish line. Will it change? Will it change our mind and our thoughts that Monza is not very easy to, it's not a place to, very easy to overtake so let's wait and see yeah let's wait and see and in the future where our listeners are you'll you'll have seen and you can comment come and find us on on twitter at f1 techie at f1 blag uh, at strip the dip stripping the dipping official uh, twitter account let us know what you saw um, be really interested uh, to see that as we come out um, so, so let me let me ask you a question then, right? So, I, uh, Dens and I have really gotten into IndyCar this season, uh, really yeah. enjoying it. Um, it's a spec series in terms of the chassis uh, or the aero is all designed by Delara. Um, I don't know if you follow it um, or you've seen the shape of the cars, but we know that yeah. Colton Holt, Colton Herter um, is in contention as the time we record this to join F1 in the AlphaTauri team. Could, do, could you, if, if at all, could you describe maybe the technical differences between an Indy car to someone like me, a basic guy, the differences between an Indy car and an F1 car? Uh, the difference is in the performance. Braking, especially braking. 
the the Formula One is heavy, heavy on the braking. So everyone uh, coming from any series to F1 are going to be surprised by how tough, how uh, how hard the car brakes, the G-force generated when you brake, plus the acceleration of the F1 car. Uh, that's the main difference. Uh, probably uh, when driving a Formula One car, you have a lot of things to do in while driving, especially in your st on, on your steer steering wheel. You have a lot of programs, a lot of modes to change, a lot of things to dial on your uh, steering wheel. So uh, it's gonna be hard to adapt uh, to these uh, high tech. Can I can I say it high tech? Uh, cockpit so uh, that's the main uh, problem and for uh, Colton I think the main problem will be this he is a good driver I'm not saying he's not a good driver last year we saw uh, we heard that he was related to Alfa Romeo uh, this year we, we heard that he was also related to McLaren so this guy is good and now we're uh, hearing the rumors that probably Red Bull is going to grasp this guy, okay, he's from Andretti. Uh, why? You're going to ask why, right? And people are going to ask why. Why Red Bull is going, for example, outsourcing drivers. <laughs> but uh, the problem is I have three ideas. First of all, for uh, commercial interest for Red Bull, is very valuable for Red Bull to have an American driver in the uh, Formula One. Uh, two, uh, Liam Lawson, I don't know, he's not performing right now, so they would uh, upgrade it, right? And third of all, Eurovips. We saw what happened with Eurovips uh, throughout this uh, season and what happened. So Red Bull, they don't have right now anybody, but still it is room. These things are still rumors, especially if. Pierre Gasly will be linked to Alpine, and I think Red Bull, they don't have anyone else to, 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 to put in the uh, Alpha Tauri seat. So I think uh, Hertha had, have, uh, he has a great chance to, to be in uh, Alpha Tauri if Pierre Gasly will move to Alpine. That's, uh, that's an interesting analysis, and I agree with you on um the commercial side having colton herter who i think has caught a lot of people's excitement in the us uh, and having just a generally an american driver in f1 will get drive eyes on that car but will he be uh lent by andretti i don't know what do you mm. think you know he's gonna be uh, the contract will be completely with red bull will he be lent from andretti to, to uh to red bull we are also hearing that andretti is looking to F1, is trying to make back to make uh, to make it back to F1. So uh, if so, he's not gonna sign off M. Lawson to uh, sorry uh, Hertha to uh, to Red Bull. But also, let's wait and see. Yeah, let's wait and see. I don't know why, but we, so we had Mario Andretti uh, on the podcast a few months ago, and of course uh, the the team is run by Michael, his son. But the way that Mario Andretti talked about Colton Herter, you got the sense that he was some, you know, Colton was someone that they really wanted to succeed. And so I'm sure um, they'd love to keep 
Colton under contract or have an option to bring him back uh, if they come into Formula One or if he wants to go back to IndyCar. But I don't think they would stand in Colton's way. They just seemed, Mario seemed uh, like he wanted to do everything he could to bring uh, Colton into Formula One. Yeah, probably, probably. So, so let me ask some questions, quick fire questions, right? We started the podcast, you were talking about following the sport for 33 years. Uh, and we talked a bit about your love of the turbo hybrid era from an engine perspective. Yeah. But how about yeah. this? Your favorite Formula One car of all time, which is it? My favorite. Well, <laughs> people will think that I'm biased, but uh, it was uh, the W12. Wow, yeah. Well, I think you... You you get Denz's agreement on that. And what about the W12? Did you love? Awesome. First of all, the look, especially when I saw it for the first time, it was so huge. I saw it live in Qatar. It was so huge, as big as a living room, a five meter car, all black, with all these shiny wheels. That sound of the W12. Amazing. That was an amazing car, really. I can't describe it. I don't have uh, the words, right words to describe it. Uh, yeah, that, that 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 for me was a beast. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree. And um, it's a shame that, you know, the development of the W12 was sacrificed or compromised, I guess, to focus yeah. on the W13. Yeah, exactly. Who knows what could have happened? I mean, I understand they only had one major upgrade package that year. I think it was at Silverstone. Silverstone, uh, yeah. They yeah. got a major upgrade and uh, the engine also. Listen, uh, let me tell you something, especially about Mercedes. I've been following uh, the Mercedes engine since they came back. So there was no year in the Mercedes engine was not contender. Even though when they had the problem in the 2000s, when they prohibited a special alloy to be used inside the engine, which Mercedes used to use in 1998 and 1999, and we saw all these blow-ups with the 2000 car, but it had the most powerful engine ever. All the years, they were in Formula One, and especially in Brazil last year. People will say, yeah, they brought a special engine. No, they did not brought the special engine. They cranked it to the maximum. That's what you saw in Brazil was the maximum performance of the power unit of the 2014 till 2025 power unit. That is spectacular machine. That is spectacular power unit. That's why I love it. You have the turbo, you have the MGH acting, which is the most the ingenuity, the most the smartest device ever created for me in Formula One was the MGH. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we're not gonna see it in 2026 cars. So the MGUK is gonna try to compensate the, uh, uh, the lack of MGH, turbo lag, and all of this, but from my point of view, we're not going to see the same performance for the first year. Second year, a lot is going to change, of course. 
but with the first year we're gonna see a lot of uh, they're gonna be uh, down on power if you can say that so uh, this these current engines are the best for me regardless of the sound yeah sound they have okay it's not an f1 sound but as as i told you uh, i look at the output performance these years are these years uh, engines are the best so um i think if i'm remembering rightly coming into this season uh the technical regulations stated that there needed to be a higher proportion of sustainable fuel uh yeah. within the mix yeah. is that right and and could you describe any changes that might have had to be made to the engines to uh, weather that new fuel that question is so big we can go deep in it especially this year we saw that with the e10 fuel we have 90 loss, loss of fuel and 10 percent ethanol everything will change we saw the the the, the, the team said we lost any 30 horsepower but they tried to compensate it and they they could in 2026 engines we have 100 sustainable fuel but what i have a big question mark what's the grade of this fuel the grade is the uh, for us it's like for example 98 of 96 uh, in the u.s standards it's 87 and we're not going to talk about the u.s standard let's talk a little bit about the european standard. it's the same don't be uh, uh, so the people won't get lost uh, the U.S. standards are different. It's the same fuel, but they use a different uh, calculation. They get different numbers. 87 in uh, in, U in the U.S., but it's in uh, in Europe, it's 96. Okay, so let's go to, uh, for example, compare 98 to 96 grade fuel. A lot of things will change in your engine. First thing you will find or hear it is the knocking will have knocking, especially if you have a high compression engine ratio. Uh, sports cars, we, you, you drive it daily. For example, AMG, Ferraris, Porsche have high compression ratio in their engine. Different than the normal cars like Renault, like Kia, whatever. So higher compression engine needs a higher grade fuel. Why? Because lower grade fuel at 96, it will Pre-detonate before it's time. Okay, so uh, uh, premature detonation we will have inside the engine. That's why we hear the knocking. You lose power, it will damage your engine. Same thing for Formula One. Formula One in uh, 2026, we're gonna see what's uh, the grade of this fuel. Okay, we know that F1 cars use fuel that is uh, very similar to, to, to the fuel you we use in our cars. And in average, we can use it, uh, you see it in average uh, gas station, but uh, it is specifically regulated this way to be broad or roughly equivalent to a premium road fuel with a high octane number. Okay, so you they have to use the same fuel they, they use it in our pumps, but okay, with higher grades. 100 sustainable fuel, we want to know what are the grades, how gonna change it and of course it's gonna affect the uh, performance of the uh, of the car uh, let me take you a little back when alonso was in uh, ferrari they have shell as provider fuel provider for ferrari back then they did a test 
A with Monzo on the Ferrari. They put the Formula One, of course, the Formula One fuel in it and did a lap in Monza. And they removed this fuel and put the 98 fuel that we use at Shell in uh, our gas pumps. Okay? The car was 0.9 slower, but surprisingly, it, was, it provided a higher top speed. That's how fuel affects the car. It was slower, yeah, but it provided higher top speed. It means uh, higher grade fuel, 8, 110, whatever they are using, it's going to give you the acceleration, bigger explosion, a bigger pickup from the uh, corners, going out of the corners. So on the same car, look how it changed. Let's look, let's go forward to 2026. This sustainable fuel is going to affect a lot of uh, horsepowers in this power unit. How can they compromise? How can they find the lost horsepower? Also, we're going to wait and see. Probably they're going to start working on it from today when the regulations are public and approved. Teams are starting to work on it. We heard that Red Bull started their 2026 engine. It was one cylinder, one piston, but they started an engine uh, in their lab. So everyone is having a head start. I mean, this is fascinating stuff. Uh, things that I couldn't have understood before or hadn't really thought through and you're explaining them so clearly. So I really appreciate it. So we've talked about flaws. We've talked about sort of drag. We've talked about engines. We've talked about fuel. So let me ask you um, a final technical question here before we, again, I've got a few shorter ones at the end. Um, the tires, right? So we see um, maybe not so much in Zambor because the hard tire was working, but we've seen on a few occasions, Mercedes would turn up at the track and they can't get the tires warmed up as well as other teams to the extent that I can't remember where it was, but at the start of a stint, you'd see Lewis dropping back, dropping back. Uh, and then eventually catching up. Is that him managing his tyres, or is it no. the Mercedes unable to bring the tyre in? And if so, what what is that? They are they are unable to bring the tyres. Okay, if we compare uh, Mercedes' path throughout 2026, we can find each year they have uh, a different... Uh, the car is performing differently. Uh, last year, they didn't have a problem. This year, they have a problem. Uh, the previous year, they had the dust, okay? Before the dust, they had a problem, a, a small window. So Mercedes have um, a problem with getting their tires to temperature. Why is that? From where the problem comes? It comes mainly from the suspension, okay? When uh, Mercedes... In 2014, they had the Frick system, which is the link between the front and rear suspension. Okay, it's called the Frick system. They were unstoppable. Everyone in the uh, every team had to had his own version, its own version of Frick system, and they get they have to ban it. When it was banned, we saw Mercedes lacking on the window performance. Following year, okay, we found that Mercedes had a good system, a good suspension. The Mercedes are very great creating suspensions. 
And uh, until this year, where we have simple suspension, the uh, J dampers are banned. Okay, I'm gonna talk a little bit about J damper. It's uh, a bit uh, humor, but I'm gonna talk a little bit about it. Uh, when the J damper was banned, we saw Mercedes went backwards. Uh, people are gonna ask, what is J damper? J damper is the old name of special suspension was uh, developed in McLaren 2007. Okay, so if you look back, if you remember uh, when, when we had the problem, uh, the Spygate issue, do you remember about it uh, between Ferrari and McLaren? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had same year, Renault stole the documents of the J damper from McLaren, but they did not understand it. They failed it completely, as if you, you stole the answering sheets of your exam and still you got a zero on your exam. So FIA did not uh, punish them because they already flung everything at the Renault. So since then, J Damper went out, everybody knew about it, and it was used in F1. It is a very smart system eliminates the smallest frequencies, okay? This job is to eliminate the smallest frequencies in the uh, suspension. That's why everyone wished they had this system this year in the, in the uh, current era because purposing would not uh, been an issue if we had the J-Damper. So uh, let's go back to Mercedes and uh, suspension. We can see that Mercedes solved a little bit of their suspension issue, but they still have this tire warming up problem, especially behind the safety car. You can see in Silverstone how many laps Lewis Hamilton uh, was struggling before his tires went back to normal temperature and he got he picked up the speed and could overtake Leclerc and went uh, onwards. So, uh, yeah, they have a big problem with their tires. And uh, of course, of course, they're going to solve it for next year. Fascinating, and the jet, and you say damping is to stop the car from bouncing, basically, or yeah. oscillating, or whatever you call it. <laughs> your, your proper words. Uh, okay, um, here's a question, right? So we've talked a bit about your favorite car. You talked about the W12. Um, you know, you're an engineer. Um, you know, you're a physicist. You know about electronics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There've been many, many technical brains, uh, technical minds in Formula One. Uh, dating all the way back to its origin. Um, you talked about Adrian Newey, um, but there are many, many others, James Allison at, uh, at Mercedes and uh, Ferrari, you know, all the way back. Who who do you admire most out of any of these sort of technical minds, chief technical operator, uh, officers, whatever the job title is, uh, who who do you th would you say is your favourite throughout Formula One history? Colin Chapman. Aha. Uh -huh. And tell us about your what what really attracts you know your admiration for him because uh, he found solutions for something that doesn't exist. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. So he's a genius. This man, Paul Chapman, is a genius with his creations, with uh, the idea that he had. 
that he introduced in the F1, especially the ground effect, especially in the Lotus cars with the ground effect. And so Colin Chapman, for those who don't know, became or was the team principal of Lotus. Um, but actually, so Lotus, I'm trying to think when they came into the sport, but it would have been the mid-60s, right? And yeah. Jim Clark was their main driver, and sadly, he passed away. There was an accusation about um, Chapman that he was always designing cars that were on the edge in terms of weight and so on, that it that it did create risk for the driver. But he did also drive innovation in the sport. Um, and you can see that if, you know, he he gave world champions uh, championships to drivers in the kind of mid-engine or rear-engine era all the way through uh, the aero era as well. Um, which which of the Lotuses would you point to or which sort of era of Lotus would you point to with him at the helm? Um, 76, 77, 78. Mm. Uh, but so listen, the, about uh, yeah. Chapman designing, everyone, everyone is designing cars on the edge. We can't, we can't forget 1994 Williams. Rumors were saying the, 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 the steering column was thinner than it should be. You, you've heard all of these rumors and everything. Everyone mm. tried to shave weights. Everyone tried to find the limit. When, when McLaren introduced the carbon fiber, everyone said, you're nuts. How are you, how are you going to uh, protect your driver with this device that evaporates? Okay, and everyone will will invent something. I have a theory, just as crazy as the theory about uh, Red Bull. Hmm. There is no legal car in F1 history, back then till today. There is no legal. The, the cars we see today, Red Bull, Ferrari, there is no legal car. There is something hidden. Every team will do something illegal until it will be uh, known about, exploded with the media. No car is. That's fascinating. Um, okay, so um, maybe maybe there are no legal cars, but we're coming. You know, we're past the halfway mark of the season. We're actually coming towards the end. It's quite sad. Um, when I sat down for this interview, it was already dark outside, and we we started recording at eight. So we're definitely into the autumn. So it, you look at the trajectory of the cars, you can see, obviously, you're suggesting that the Mercedes have sort of solved some of their major problems. Red Bull may be trying to mask the uh, the sort of performance loss, uh, having now adhered more strictly to the technical regulations to do with the floor. Where do you see the cars at the end of the season? Do you see Red Bull still at the, the very front? What, do you think it will be closer? Where, where, where do you see the order? Let's say you have to put them in order. Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes. Do you, could you put them in order when we get to Abu Dhabi? Yeah. Yeah, we can. We can do this. Uh, it's obvious. Red Bull, listen, I, I will say this again. I'm not, I don't have anything against Red Bull. Don't The people that, that's going to listen and hear that, okay, he has a crazy theory about the cranking the engine to mask it. That's my theory. I have nothing against the team. I love the team. I love the drivers. And I love the competition. But that's my theory. And in Zandvoort, it was correct. I'm going to see in Monza. Probably not going to see it a lot in Monza. But next, we're going to see if I'm right or wrong. In the end, at the end of the season, I, will, I would say Ed Bull will still 
the car, the number one car, the fastest car on not one lap. I'm not talking about one lap car. One lap car is a Ferrari. No one will catch it. Okay, as a qualifier, as a one lap car, but as a race pace, as a whole team, the perfect car. Red Bull is the perfect car this year. Next, Mercedes. With the momentum they have, they are creating from the mid-season onward. I see them second plus, not only second as the fastest car, second in the championship. That's how I see it. Okay? Ferrari is the third. Ferrari have a lot of problems. They have three major problems. The... Uh, uh, the engine, the reliability, everything is the uh, strategy. We're not, we're not gonna go into this. <laughs> I can see they have a lot of strategy department. Not this year alone. We can go as far as you first up in. Sorry, since uh, Alonso. And they have also driver errors. They have a lot of driver error errors which they should not make. These three major uh, problems be uh, the sandbag uh, for Ferrari. That's why I see them in the third place. And it's going to be in the fourth, fifth, McLaren. Us, it's going to be probably six. Thing they have a very good weekend and another weekend they they collapse. So I think they've been working on the car for two years, two years and a half. So uh, they know they car really well, and you see you see it performing or getting points, unbelievable points for the Haas team. Uh, I'm gonna stop for. Uh, I'm not gonna go for Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri, and uh, because they have their ups and downs, and they're not progressing. That's really interesting. So, what you're implying then is that Fernando Alonso has given up basically the fourth best car for someone that you didn't even place in the ranking uh, that might even yeah. be at the back in the Aston Martin. Wow! Just for one extra year on the contract, that doesn't seem. <laughs> entirely yeah. smart. Uh, I had before before the rumors were uh, starting. I had a tweet saying Fernando Alonso is in the best mid car comparing to others. And next year, Alpine is better place in a better place. They have a good engine. They have strongest strongest engine and build and reliability throughout the road throughout the races okay and now we see uh, Alpine has a great performance great engine uh, they have low drag car other cars and with Fernando Alonso it will sting you Fernando Alonso Alcon is very good also but especially especially with Fernando Alonso it will sting other teams and we will see it uh, with McLaren, they are ahead of them in the uh, championship, and next year I see good stuff coming for Alpine. 
Okay, well, hopefully, uh, you know, whoever Fernando Alonso takes his frustrations out on, um, they'll survive. Uh, because, yeah, the Alpine looks quick. So let me ask you a final quick question, which is, uh, we've talked a lot about tech today. Uh, we've talked a lot about technical detail as well. Who's your favorite driver? And two two bits. First one, current driver. And then if it's different, I don't know, of all time. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, really not fair. <laughs> Well, let me tell you something. I started Formula One. I opened my eyes on Senna. For me, Senna had something special. He's a genius behind the wheel, the steering wheel. I love him a lot, Senna. Then, Schumacher. We, we call him Michael Schumacher in Germany. So, okay, so uh, Shoemaker in Europe, I don't know. So, Michael, I love him a lot. Yet, I have a lot of points stated before, okay, especially for the World Championship. Uh, but I still love him a lot. Plus, I, and people say he's biased, but I love the, uh, I love Lewis Hamilton. After Lewis Hamilton, we'll say, I have Max Verstappen. I, uh, I love his demons. Of Max Verstappen's demons. He's fighting something we can't see. He's a genius, especially on uh, wet tracks. We've seen him. Uh, he collects uh, driving style from uh, karting. And we can see it, especially in wet tracks. Yeah. Unfortunately, Twitter and all social media lately is becoming, has all the social media has they became as a war zone fan war zone between Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen Sebastian Vettel and uh, we don't want we don't want this sport to have this negativity inside it I from stripping the dipping I urge everyone that's listening please guys Love whoever you want, okay? But keep the sport clean. Don't attack anyone. Respect everybody because each and every person driving today in Formula One, you have to respect him because he is one of the best, best of the best. Teams are not paying money just to have someone who doesn't deserve a seat, crashing, or they are the best of the best. Everyone deserves respect. They are great drivers. And looking at the TV is not the same as driving this car. Looking at the TV, you see it as slow, but controlling these 320, 350, any changes in the temperature, one degree up or down, it will change the balance. It will change the behavior of the car. So, the, the, the drivers have a fraction of a second to adapt. That's how a good the F1 driver is good. It's great. That's why he is one of the best drivers in 
motorsport you can feel, you can find it in the pinnacle of motorsport which is formula one i think that's a lovely message about respect and yeah like what you like um but don't don't judge others for what they like or don't encroach on other people's exactly. enjoyment of the sport um so we we've talked about polarizing topics just there um we always end on a polarizing question so i don't know are you a big fan of pizza um do you enjoy the occasional circular dish yeah okay of course. It comes so, in square balls. <laughs> exactly the engineer exactly uh so so let me ask you a question uh pizzas yeah pineapple or no pineapple what do you say <laughs> no pineapple no pineapple for me no pineapple <laughs> eat whatever you want dress however you like <laughs> for me no pineapple i don't have anything against people uh eating pineapple on their pizza I will still sit with them on the same table while they are eating pineapple on the pizza and I'm enjoying my pizza and beer. <laughs> oh, God. And, and tell me, what is your preferred topping on your pizza? Pepperoni. Pepperoni. Yeah. There's a consensus around pepperoni. We're going to have to meet up, uh, get, bring together the guests. Pepperoni. Yeah. yeah. If you like pineapple, be, be assured that I will bring you the pizza having a pineapple on it. That's that's love. I appreciate that. That's uh, tolerance. Uh, no, I'm not. I will not uh, accept the pineapple on my own pizza. But yeah, you are free. Others are free. So look, yeah. um, as we as we come to the end, uh, Charbel, it's been a real pleasure. Is there any anything you want to say um, to those that are listening? Uh, and and also, where where can we find you? What are you working on at the moment? At the moment, you can find me on Twitter on uh, Instagram. Listen, I'm trying to understand Instagram, okay? I'm asking my <laughs> wife for help. Please take control of my Instagram, you know better. <laughs> so I'm very active on Twitter. I'm trying to do uh, to be active on Instagram. Uh, plus, uh, we are starting a new interesting project in the Middle East. Okay, it's called Mina Graham. Mina Grand Prix is a new uh, company. It's going to be a new company that addresses motorsports and Formula One. And we're going to introduce Formula One to the Middle East and the world in a special way. Uh, in Europe, we have uh, Sky Sports doing a great job. In North America, you have ESPN also doing a great job. In the Middle East, we have this privilege. We have a lot of, uh, don't don't this many wrong, but we have a lot of uh, channels uh, trying their best. But Mina Grand Prix is going to target the new guys, girls, uh, men, women coming into the sport, trying to explain everything from scratch, from the tiniest business to the most complex. We're going to start there. We're going to have, uh, we're starting right now uh, our website. Uh, my designs and explanation drawings will be made as videos. We have a lot of engineers also in our team. Uh, we're tackling a lot of stuff in Formula One that uh, people should know about. Uh, we're going to teach everyone about F1, love F1 as it is, and 
also uh, on my my uh, Twitter account you can see my drawings, my videos, my explanations. And lately, I'm gonna start uh, explaining 2026 uh, regulations, how the MGUK is gonna be the power. What does nine megajoules means? Uh, what does the 350 kilowatt means? How it is related the nine megajoules with 350 kilowatts, and how can we get the outputs amount of seconds uh, you're allowed to use for MGUK? Everything you're gonna find it on my. Uh, uh, Twitter account, and plus I'm going on, uh, I'm being uh, invited to a podcast, one of the podcasts is yours, so uh, I'm trying to explain everything on podcast, also hoping for the best, hoping for the best, as much as we can uh, give the sport how it should be uh, introduced to the world, get a lot of new people to love the sports, and uh, trying our best. I mean, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Mena Grand Prix. And I think people who are listening, who've stayed with us throughout the episode, will have noticed that I did not ask you too much about the 2026 regulations. So we've saved that. And that would be a lovely part two if you come back uh, on the podcast in the future. I would love to. Brilliant. We'd love to have you. I know Georgie will be ecstatic. It will be great to have you on with Dens. He'll have a whole bunch of questions. And you mentioned the drawings. I didn't know that was you. So um, if you go to at F1 Techie, the the pinned tweet, did you draw that? There's a picture of the Mercedes. Was that you? Yeah. Yeah. And I drew also the uh, rear wing of the Aston Martin. I drew the uh, MGUH and MGUK of Mercedes. Do I have? Oh, I drew the uh, before uh, the 2026 regulations were out. We hoping, we knew that the MBH was gonna be uh, scratched. We were hoping, we were hoping for something called variable uh, variable turbo geometry. I drew find it on also my uh, account. This will eliminate the turbo lag. Unfortunately, in the it is written. Variable geometry uh, devices are not allowed. So uh, now <laughs> we're stuck with this with a lot of turbo lag. <laughs> you could see that you're going to get very passionate about this in, in the next episode that we have you on. Um, yeah, it'd be yeah. brilliant. Can't wait I, I would strongly go on. A lot of things. You a calculator, <laughs> put it aside. We're going <laughs> to do a lot of calculations <laughs> so get ready i i think this was 101 I and mean, then the next course is the advanced course i think those yeah. that have listened will be ready so this is part one listen to this part then then come to the next part. one yeah fantastic well look uh Bell, it's been a real pleasure um those of you that listen to the podcast if you're listening on spotify or apple music uh, or Anchor itself, whatever your platform, please do um, give us a like or give us a rating uh, and do leave comments. Uh, it really helps us out, uh, particularly also if you're on YouTube. Um, if you have any questions for us for the next episode, do drop them on our uh, Twitter account. Give us a follow at Strip the Dip. Uh, this has been F1 Blag. I've been uh, joined with, had the pleasure to be with tonight, F1 Techie, aka Charbel. 
Uh, I'll be signing out. We'll see you next time. See you soon. Bye.